Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Fun on Weekdays podcast. I am your host, Jenna Palak, and today is a two-in-one episode. We have two guests today, starting with my sweet little boy, Quincy. Quincy is my golden doodle, mini golden doodle. He's about 20 pounds. He has the shortest little legs and the longest body. I am convinced that he is a part corgi. He's had such a long day eating his bone and chewing his new toy apart. So I've been doing this podcast now for two years. And when I first started it, I was recording on a shitty blue Yeti microphone. Hey, if you have a blue Yeti microphone, nothing against it. Like you can keep using it, but it was so muffled. I didn't know how to use it. I was using this vlogging camera um, and I was recording on my bed in my very first apartment in Austin on Rainy Street. I lived at the Camden. When I first started, I had signed a contract with Macy's and Macy's was my very first presenting sponsor for the podcast. And so it was for an entire year long and it included one podcast episode every single week for a year straight which as somebody who had never known anything about podcasting and had just gotten into it, first of all, I was so excited. But second of all, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into because doing an episode every single week and recording it in real time is not always the easiest, especially as a girly who doesn't know how to work equipment. Um, I don't have a producer for my podcast. I'm not part of a network. And so it's literally just me sitting in my house. I press the buttons and sometimes I fuck it up. That's okay. I've learned a lot. But after that first year, I renewed again for a second year with Macy's and things are really great. I'm so fortunate for my partnership with Macy's. I still love them. But as things came to a close in July, um, it came to a point where it was like, okay, we either renew and we renew for another year long. There's not really an option to just do like a short term contract. And If you listen to my last episode of season two, you can hear it in my voice that I was so unsure of what I wanted to do and literally who I was and everything, every single aspect of my life. So how am I going to sit down and record a podcast every week if I don't even know what the hell to talk about Um, or who I am or what I'm doing? So I figured it was a good time to just take a little break, do a little reset. I hadn't focused on the podcast or at least releasing new episodes for, I think, like three months. And the first episode just came out two weeks ago with Hannah Brown. And then last week was with Gracie Hunt. And today is with our guest, Katie Welch. But before we get into the guest episode, I wanted to share that as I was relaunching this new season, I really, really, really value people's feedback. Like I would not be in this position that I am doing this full time had I never shared my story online, had I never asked for feedback, had I never listened to what people want. And so posted on my Instagram story, one of those little boxes and said, give me some feedback. And I knew I was subjecting myself to getting my feelings hurt. Okay, let me just say that. But I didn't think people were going to be so ruthless. So some of the feedback has been that people who have listened to my podcast for a long time feel like it's a little formal. It's a little uptight, maybe a little too professional. Okay, you guys, I get it. I'm wearing a blazer in the cover photo. I get it. When have I ever worn a blazer? I don't know. I actually did not think that the cover photo of your podcast had anything to do with people listening to it. I I could understand like the first time that you listen to a podcast, you're probably not going to click on some random cover photo. And if you're discovering a new podcast, you may be drawn to it based off of the cover photo. But I didn't really think that not liking the cover photo would change your opinion of the actual show itself. But according to the polls, it does influence your decision of if you like the show or not. So I don't know if there's a way for me to add a little poll to this episode, but do you think I should change the cover photo? Like 
now I'm kind of rethinking it. Like my goal now is just for it to feel fun and fresh. I want you to put on this podcast and like be inspired, but also just feel like you're talking to a friend. That's the goal. So it broke my heart when people are like, it doesn't feel like you. I want you to talk more. I want you to share more about your life. People love listening to you. And I'm like, well, I am partly a little upset by that, but also I'm kind of glad to hear that because the whole reason why I have a podcast is because I love talking and especially talking to a wall. So I decided that before every episode now, if it is a guest episode, I'm going to do a little update, whether it's like 5, 10, 15 minutes long and just give you some solo time before we get into the guest. I also want to give you a disclaimer that a lot of these guests for the next couple of weeks I have had pre-recorded and that was just to set myself up for success, to get onto a good cadence with the podcast, make sure it was quality. And I'm so mad that I didn't have the feedback before going in and recording all these episodes because had I known that y'all thought I was stiff, I would have loosened up. But now that I know, I'm going to add a little more of me to the beginning of the episode. Um, So just keep that in mind as you're listening to the next guest. If you're thinking like, why is she being so uptight right now? Well, guys, I was nervous. Like today's guest is the chief marketing officer of Rare Beauty. And she was sitting in my freaking house. Like, so there are conversations that I just kind of have to gauge where to take the podcast too, based off of what they're willing to share. And sometimes you can just get a vibe. I'm making them feel comfortable, but I'm also staying true to myself. And this is all a learning curve for me for sure, because as I restarted the podcast, I did want to have more guests. And a lot of these guests are quite notable people who I've maybe not ever spoken to ever. I may have only spoken to their publicist. So you're just kind of like getting to know each other at the same time as you're recording the episode while also trying to answer all the questions that you want to know about all the guests too. So this is a really good way to challenge myself, but I want to make sure you guys are happy. So before we start, I'll give you a little update about what I've been up to. This weekend, I feel like I was just go, go, go. This was probably my most ideal weekend ever. On Friday night, Connor and I went to dinner at Lou's, which is this like rotisserie chicken place, (laughs) which rotisserie chicken kind of freaks me out. Something about a chicken carcass. Like, don't get me started on turkey. I am not looking forward to Thanksgiving dinner. I hate turkey, but it was really good. So we went there and then we went to go see a Christmas carol And I actually guess I have never seen a Christmas carol. Like the traditional story of a Christmas carol is Scrooge and the three ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. So I was imagining that we're going to go to this play. I just assumed it was going to be like a traditional Christmas carol kind of set in the past. Like, I don't know, old school outfits and stuff. But no, it was like this pop rendition to a Christmas carol. It was insane. They sang like Beyonce. They sang Avicii, Coldplay. It was a whole production. So it was the story of a Christmas carol, but it was infused with um, popular Christmas songs and just pop songs in general. Like they literally had Taylor Swift, Bad Blood in it. It was just so fun. They had glow sticks. The kids in the crowd were dancing and jumping and It was so fun. I literally felt like that was my ideal Friday night. And as I looked around, I'm like, yeah, this is adulting. Like I, two years ago, would have been at Buford's. And then I probably would have gone to Concrete Cowboy and finagled my way into some random person's bottle section. 
No, I had the most wholesome night on Friday. And then yesterday in the morning, Connor and I woke up. We went to Sun Life Organics on South Congress, which Sun Life, let me just say, is like the epitome of an LA wellness smoothie overpriced acai bowl. But the most embarrassing thing happened. Connor and I are sitting outside waiting for our acai bowl. And these two guys that go to his gym walk by and they're like, hey man, what's up? And they like pound, they pound fists, you know, like boys do. And um, isn't that funny that that's what guys do? And girls are like, oh my God, hey. And we hug each other and they just, ugh, whatever. I love being a girl. So they sit down and the one guy I'm sitting facing them. The one guy, it looked like he was looking at me. And he goes, damn, this place takes fucking forever. And I was like, yeah, I know. And I look at, <laughs> I was talking back to him. <laughs> Meanwhile, this guy comes from behind me and like walks past me and sits down and joins their table. And I had no idea that he just was not talking to me at all. And then Connor starts laughing because... The guy that joins them at the table is the owner of Sun Life Organics. And so I'm like, yeah, I know it's taking forever. And I'm like shitting on them. Meanwhile, the owner walks up behind me. The guy wasn't even talking to me. So that was the start of my day. And then we went to Equinox and we did a workout. Um, by the guys, I hate to say it. Don't come for me. There's going to be some Equinox lovers out there. I'm an Equinox hater. I I don't like it in there. I don't like it. I don't feel safe. I There are too many men walking around, sizing you up, looking you up and down. Uh, but when I go into Equinox, it's like I have to have a plan of exactly what I'm going to do because there is no way that I'm going to get down on the mat and just come up with some random workout. But I don't think I'm going to have to go to Equinox as much anymore because I made my first TikTok shop purchase, which oddly enough, actually arrived in the mail. It was legit. I've been seeing so many ads of TikTok shop and I really just didn't want to order anything mainly because I didn't want to succumb to it. But what I bought is this little stationary stepper and it has these resistance bands to it. And I saw this girl on my feed who it was in the top right corner of picture of her, what she looked like before doing the stair stepper, which by the way, she still looked great. Um, but then it was a video of her stepping and her butt looks just so good. And I was like, oh, I want a fat butt. Like that'd be nice to get a nice butt in the new year. Like, so I bought it, came in the mail two days later, free shipping. Love that. Um, and I think it was like $40 or something. So I was, I was shockingly impressed and I decided I'm going to do it every day for 10 minutes a day. I'm going to see if it changes my legs at all, if it makes me a little more muscular or toned. And then the resistance bands, you can do like chest flies. You can do bicep curls. Again, I don't really know what else you can do. It's kind of like going to the gym and using the cables and just seeing if it, if it's hard, like that's probably what I'm going to do. I don't know what I will be activating, um, but I'm going to activate something. And so I'll give you guys an update on how it works. However, I am going home for Thanksgiving on two Tuesday. I don't know. I haven't bought my flight yet. <gasps> People who plan in advance, like are shaking in their boots right now. I, you guys, I had this really hard time where I can't buy flights in advance. Like I will buy a flight two days before I leave. I will probably pay a lot more. But something about it, I just can't commit. I cannot commit that far in the future. I think I'm going to go home to Ohio on Tuesday for Thanksgiving. I will be there until Sunday or Monday. Then I'm coming back. I'm here until Christmas. 
And on the 26th, I'm coming back to Austin and my family is coming too. So my parents, um, Aaron and Zach, and then Sydney and Alex, which you guys, I have a second sister. Every single time I post about Sydney, people are like, I didn't know you had a second sister. So I need to have Sydney on the podcast when she is in town for the holidays because she's an occupational therapist. Um, We're going to have her on the podcast so you can get to know Sydney. Yeah, everyone's going to come here and party for the holidays. I don't know what we're doing yet. All I know is I'm taking them to a Christmas carol. Something about the Palax is that we will find a way to make it work. And that leads me to the next and last thing that I want to share, which is I'm going to start this little series on the podcast where every week I share what I like to call, I can totally do that, which is me thinking about something random that I see and I'm like, I can totally do that. And I have no prior knowledge, no prior experience, but I have this, I don't know if it's a talent or if it's, if it's a fatal flaw where I genuinely believe that I can do actually anything. Like I can learn how to do it and I can succeed at it. So my, I can definitely do that of this week is I saw this Chevrolet pink bus on Facebook marketplace and the description was beauty bus. I click into it. Sure enough, exactly what it says. The inside of it had been converted. And I thought to myself, I could definitely do that. I could definitely become a traveling makeup artist. I'm not a makeup artist. I I spent years watching YouTube videos. I watch TikToks every single day. I think that I could be a makeup artist if I really tried. So that's my, I, I can definitely do that of the week. I really encourage you to look at life in that mindset of, I can do that. Am I going to buy the pink bus? Probably not. Right now, (laughs) I have enough to focus on. I think I'm good for the time being. I guess that's all I wanted to share with you. I was expecting this to be like 10 minutes, but this is my first time sitting down alone and recording and it's like time has never passed. Today's guest is the chief marketing officer of Rare Beauty, Katie Welch. I met Katie three years ago at a Rare Beauty Thanksgiving event in LA. I have no idea how I was invited. And to my left was Katie, who at the time I didn't realize was the CMO of Rare Beauty. And it was a beautiful evening. I feel like it speaks to Rare Beauty's impact and how intentional they are of making people feel welcome and feel worthy. And so for today's episode, I wanted some career advice from Katie when it comes to networking, LinkedIn, applying, and how to climb the corporate ladder from someone who has done it herself. So I've spent enough time blabbing. Let's get into it. Everybody, welcome Katie Welch. So many people are really excited for this episode because I feel like you have a lot of wisdom and advice when it comes to like just navigating your career and also being a woman in a leadership role. Yeah. And you're working for one of the biggest beauty brands like ever. And you've had so much success in the past three years since y'all started 2020, right? 2020, September of 2020. Yeah. I joined the company in September of 2019 mm -hmm. to help bring it to life and really sit with Selena and understand her why to then create it. And then we launched in Sephora September, 2020 insane. So I want to talk about what got you to your role at Rare Beauty because there were quite a few roles leading up to it. Okay. And so I took a little gander at your LinkedIn. You started in 1999. Yes. Macy's. Got good memory. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I did the Macy's buyer training program. Okay. Which I think is a great, like if you're looking for your first job to find those training programs, a ton of more core, you know, corporate businesses, they have them. I think L'Oreal probably has one. Macy's, Bloomingdale's, Saks, if you're interested in, in retail or merchandising. And obviously that's not where I stayed in my career, but it was a really good foundation because I was an English major. 
Okay. And, I, you know, I didn't know anything about retail or math, retail math or Excel. I mean, even the basics. So I learned all of the basics. And it was just a really great foundation to that, like things that I still use today that I understand terminology, formulas, again, back to the basics, like how to use Excel. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't learn that in college. So it was great. And I was only there for, I think, a year. I think I realized pretty quickly that that wasn't the right, that wasn't the path for me, mm-hmm. which is also fine because I think a lot of the stress that people have is finding that first job right out of school and they think that it has to be like, this is it. This is going to define what I do for the rest of my life. And it's not the case at all. Yeah. But you just sometimes need to get your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. That was a really common question that was asked from from people when I submitted, um, when I was asking for submissions was, okay. how do I know what I want to do with my life? And <laughs> I'm like, that's such a broad question. It's so broad. And, and it's, it's so, it's so stressful because you think too, I, you know what someone once said to me is that they're like, I have, we have, we now have LinkedIn, um, like comparison stress because yes. they'll see <laughs> friends from college start to post all of your internships or they start to see if you have a first job that it's much more visible than it ever was before because you can put it on social in, in the form of LinkedIn or in everything else, of course. And I hadn't thought about that. My God, that is extra stress. But I think I remember saying out loud in 2013 or maybe 2014, I want to be the CMO of a beauty brand. And it didn't actually happen until Hourglass. I, I, then I became the SVP of global marketing at Hourglass, and I was promoted into CMO maybe around 2017. So it took five years later. But, but I mean, I started working mm-hmm. 14 years before, in 1999. So I didn't really know until then. But I think if you look back, I did. I job hopped kind of a lot, but it was kind of purposeful. I sort of, as you take these different jobs, you start to learn what you're good at and what you're interested in. And most likely those will be two, be two of the same things because you could think, oh, I want to do this. This looks really cool. But you don't know until you try it, until you start to really experience things. Mm-hmm. That was one of my questions is looking at your LinkedIn, you can see that you've had multiple jobs at different companies. Yeah. And there's actually one company that you went back to three times, yeah. like that toxic ex-boyfriend. <laughs> so I wanted to know, like, what are some of the things that you learned from each experience yeah. and what ultimately kept bringing you back to this ad agency? Yeah, yeah. It was called Weber Shandwick. It's a large communications agency. That's where I learned the most. If I look back at my career, like those really formative years, and I think you look back in your career, you'll find these jobs, and you may not know it at the time, but you're going to be surrounded by people that, that you will start to not only just look up to, but you'll realize, okay, this is how I'm learning how to do things. You'll be in rooms with people, and you'll start to listen to them or observe the way they think or wa- watch the way they tackle problems. And then you'll start to develop really great relationships and rapport with people, and they're people that you can then always call, ask questions, uh, and, and that was this, this agency, Weber Shandwick. And so at these agencies, you're, you're on really large cl- clients. So I was on things like Unilever and big brands like, um, Q-tips or, I mean, Q-tips are random, <laughs> but like I, I worked on Q-tips, Suave, they were, they owned Suave at the time. Um, they owned Dove. I didn't work on Dove. That was handled by another agency. But anyway, you're sat on these things called interagency teams. And so on this team, it's everything from PR to shopper marketing to ad agencies to creative agency, media agency. Um, at the time, maybe social media was separate. And you sit at the table with all these individual people and you learn how to bring a marketing plan to life. So really working at Weber Shandwick, that was my formative years of how to do the job that I do today. Mm -hmm. Because now basically I oversee all those functions at, at Rare Beauty. But at the time I just sat alongside all these functions and you just start to pay attention to like, okay, this is how you bring a true marketing plan to life. This is how you have a one creative idea. And that is, this is how it breaks through in all of these different sort of touch points. 
And so I kept going back there because there was one <laughs> woman, her name is Gil Hyman, she's the global CMO. And I just, she, I, I learned so much from her. I would sort of miss these opportunities to, to continue to learn. And I kept thinking, okay, is this what I want to do with the rest of my life? Like basically, do I want to run a large agency ultimately, like years down the line? And then finally, the last time I went back, I went there three times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the last time I went back, I think I realized, because I had gone in-house. I was in between two stints. I was at Bliss. And I ran Marketing for Bliss, the, the beauty brand. At the time, they were sold at Sephora. And, and uh, so you ran all the marketing for the spas around the world. At the time, there were a lot of spas and, and then the, the products at Sephora. I talked to Gail, and she's like, come back, do X, Y, Z. And I thought, oh, yeah, maybe I should do that. You know, you just don't know. But it was that moment that I went back to the agency, and you have so many creative ideas, and you bring all these creative ideas to life at an agency, but you don't always get to see them come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And so the juxtaposition of being at Bliss and seeing your creative ideas come to fruition, like be in market versus maybe just live in a PowerPoint, which is just the nature of an ad age, an agency, I, I missed that. And so that, that last time was that formative, okay, I've learned a lot. I know, I've thankfully learned so much from such wonderful women in particular at Weber Shanwick that... I know I can do what I did at Bliss even better at another company. So it was sort of, I needed that last time to say, okay, that was closure. Yeah. <laughs> this was it. Uh, and I still talk to the, like many of my friends there all the time. So formative. Uh, but I knew. And so because of that, you know, when you think, I think when I thought back then, I thought, oh no, I made a mistake. You know, I took the wrong job, but it's not a mistake. Mm-hmm. It put me in the right direction to then I just sort of aggressively started looking for the next job. And that's how I found Hourglass Cosmetics. I moved from New York City out to LA for the Hourglass job. And then the rest is history. So I think, you know, we don't, we don't know, but it is your path and it's your journey. And you have to sort of just go with your gut at the time. You can't be mad at that person for making a decision that you really thought was right at the time, because you also don't know where that decision could lead you. Yeah. And speaking of um, just kind of going from all these different companies, which ultimately led you to Rare Beauty, do you yes. think that kind of job hopping, like yeah. you said, yeah. is what ultimately enabled you to progress your career faster? And so with every good question. Uh, brand that you started to work for, you were able to leverage your old role yeah. and get a higher promotion. <laughs> It is Thanksgiving this week, which means it is time to start holiday shopping. Do not wait until the very last second like I always do because this Tuesday, November 21st, is the very last day to get 30% off of almost everything at American Eagle. I did a huge haul. It's on my Instagram. It's on my TikTok. I showed all of the sweaters that I got, scarves, hats. I got a new jacket. I got some new denim. Speaking of, 25% off of all jeans, very last day is the 21st. So it's not too early to do a little Black Friday shopping. The discount does exclude clearance jeans, gift cards, third party, AE77, Grinch, peanuts, and multi-packs, but it's about 30% off of almost everything else site-wide. So use the discount while you can, and thank you American Eagle for sponsoring today's episode of Fun on Weekdays. I think when we look at career industry now, people used to respect staying at the same company for right. 30 years, 25 years. My dad has been at ADP for his whole life for as yeah. long as I've even lived. Yeah. And now um, a lot of people in our generation, younger, like millennials and Gen Z see that it's not a bad thing to jump around and try different things because in turn, you might actually be able to grow more yeah. and faster. 
I think that's a really great question. I have a lot of thoughts because looking back, and I think I knew this at the time, but I don't remember what I was thinking at some. <laughs> Everything was pretty purposeful. So I knew that I always wanted to stay in beauty. Okay. And I think I first started, my, my, after Macy's, I went to Victoria's Secret Beauty. That's where I first got into public relations. Um, and it's so funny. I was at a dinner the other night with Desiree Gruber, who is the head of Full Picture. And she's the brains behind many incredible things like Project Runway. And But she was the agency for Victoria's Secret back then. And I said, oh my God, I was a PR coordinator in 2000 mm-hmm. and we worked together and we just screamed and laughed. And it's funny the way like you can look back and you have these, this network of people that you meet throughout your career. But anyway, so I started, that was my first taste of beauty and it was NPR. And I think then I knew, okay, that's one folk. I knew that I wanted to stay in that industry. So with each job, just make sure there's a, there's a thread throughout because I think, and, and you, you need to start to figure out these things. So the thread was always storytelling. That's through communications and, and, and beauty, storytelling, brand, and beauty. And so I think that is my advice on job hopping. Don't job hop to job hop because you think, oh, I hate my boss. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, um, I think I can just make like $2,000 more, <laughs> which is, it can, or 5000 And it can feel like a lot, but really try to be purposeful about it. Because I think job hopping is okay, but make sure that you can look back and say, like, I can, I can firmly say a reason why each thing, and I can say what I learned and why I grew at each position, aside from salary. Mm-hmm. So that, that's one piece of advice for hopping. The second is, by the time you get to my age... <laughs> Uh, you say that like you're like old and I'm you're at- all, no okay so anyway <laughs> by the time you get to this to a senior level role and what I do hope is that especially for you know young women or people who identify as women uh, that you stay in the corp that you climb the corporate ladder because I think by the time you get to you're ready to get to the c-suite I hope there's a huge ton of people from which people uh, a CEO or whomever can select or a, a board member can select for a CEO. And I think that to get that, you have to stay in the corporate ladder. But anyway, I think th- those of my friends who have stayed at the same company, like I have a f- my best friend from Weber Shandwick, who was there just as long as I was, now runs Weber Shandwick New York. So he, they're the president of Weber Shandwick New York. So the same, ultimately you get to the same place. Mm-hmm. It's just how you get there. Okay. It's just stay on, be purposeful. I think you can do the same growth. You can kind of sometimes job hop within jobs. You have bad days. No jobs are perfect. There's going to be a shitty boss. There's going to be a jerk who says something to you. But how do you then take that and say, okay, I'm still going to figure out a way to learn at this. I'm going to get something from this experience versus just saying like, fuck it, I'm out of here. Because that, and you still can. Like if the situation is toxic or bad enough, by all means you should. But don't let one bad day ruin a potentially great position. Mm-hmm. That's really great advice. And you talk a lot about storytelling and how all of your job hopping led to this greater picture. Yeah. So how does Rare Beauty fit into that story oh that you're telling for your life? The ultimate opportunity to be able to start something from scratch. How crazy, with Selena. right? Like, right, 100%. Insane. And that's why, so I was at the Honest Company. I was general manager of Honest Beauty. Loved it. Loved Jessica. Loved the brand. Like really beautiful brand. Great product really cool team. But what I love to do is the sort of brand building, creative ideation. And Honest had already, I mean, the story was told. Like people knew that was, it was really just like, okay, how can we continue to grow and scale this company? So then when I got the call for Rear Beauty, I thought, oh gosh, 
like when can you actually nothing was done they mm-hmm. I don't even know when I started I think we were still working out the trademarking of, of rare she knew she wanted to be called rare because she had the album coming out but right. um, product development I don't oversee product development that is by a brilliant person <laughs> chief product development officer so she and Selena had already been working on product so when I got their product was done and 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 the packaging was done mm-hmm. but that was it no mission, no vision, no values, no, uh, we work together on the brand purpose or the mission around mental health. Mm-hmm. So the ultimate opportunity to do to storytelling. So that's why it really is just sort of the, the, I don't know, I feel so grateful and so lucky. Yeah, I have goosebumps too. I'm just thinking Aww. about like how impactful your role is in creating the entire brand, which I don't know if a lot of people really get a chance to see that. Aww, so, thanks. and it's a whole team. Like and the unique thing about Rare Beauty is it's, Super collaborative. The most collaborative environment I've ever, all those jobs that I've ever worked at, <laughs> which is cool. And it was really different at first. I'm like, wait, what What do I have to do? But now, I, I mean, I talk to my colleagues about, every, we bounce everything off each other. And I think that's what's so special about it and what has contributed to the, so much of the success is that we really do work so collectively as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we started, so when I first started, the CEO hired and Selena hired sort of senior executives, like the channel, the leaders of each category first, like head of sales, head of marketing, head of e-com and, uh, and product development finance. So then we built out the team, okay, which was interesting. So it was a lot of these sort of senior leaders coming together to say, okay, well, this is the way I've done it. This is the way I've done it. Yes. Like, oh, we really had to work through all that. So what did that interview process look like? Were you talking <laughs> with Selena like directly and she's interviewing you or did she at this point already hire like a few people and they were reaching out to you? So she had hired a CEO. Okay. Scott. And then, so I met, okay, this is kind of a funny story. So I uh, was at a conference for Women's Wear Daily and this individual comes up to me and says, Katie Welch, I sent you a note on LinkedIn and you didn't write me back. Oh my gosh. And I said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Who, who are you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who you are. <laughs> and they said, I, you know, I, I'm working on this project. I want to tell you about it. I'm like, okay. No idea. Uh-huh. Lo and behold, we ended up being on the same flight back to LA because we were in New York. And so the whole flight they told me about uh, the... Did y'all change your they couldn't say the next week? Yeah, they, could, they couldn't uh- say. So they said, I, you need to sign an NDA. And then I went to the office and then I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, of course. And then met Selena and like learned why she wanted to do it. And the rest, and the rest is history. And I met that they had hired, also hired uh, the head of product development and head of uh, digital e-com. That is so crazy. Yes, I went to dinner with Joyce and Mehdi, my my colleagues, and we just like got along great. And I thought, oh my God, I could totally be friends with this team. Okay, should we do this? Yeah. Yeah, and then I joined the team. And speaking of friendships, is that one of like Rare Beauty's core values, like within your corporate? Well, would you consider Rare Beauty corporate? Oh, yeah, I guess now. I guess it is like a huge company, but it's well, so we started as a startup. It's a startup, and then we've just. Had, I, thankfully, one. I, I, it's weird to even say because we. St- I mean, we started so small. There was I don't even know what number employee I was, but yeah, we've just grown so much in the last three years that yeah, we're we're corporate now. I guess that is but crazy. it's kind of different corporate. But all of our employees are trained in mental health first aid. We are a. We've pledged with NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, to be a stigma free company. Mm-hmm. So I really tr- we try. I try to not make it too corporate. But then you still have to do like PowerPoints and budgets and, right. you know, your expenses. Of course. <laughs> oh, the expenses, I'm sure. Those Board meetings, you know, all that sort of stuff. So Yeah. And so. But Selena's you- not a very corporate person. Like, 
you know, there's slip, she wears her slippers and she's okay. got a super comfy <laughs> office. And so it's not, it's still pretty chill. So when we talk about the core values of rare beauty and starting basically creating the storytelling of the brand, yeah. how involved was Selena with that? And what was kind of like, not necessarily the ratio, but what was the teamwork like to collaborate on the rare impact fund and yeah. some of the messaging around the brand was, did she come with that vision? And she said, this is exactly what I want to do. I need a team to make it happen. Yeah. Or was it like, I want to start a break a makeup brand. I know I want it to have a mental health. It was a little focus. bit of both. Okay. Yeah. So in 2017, so she, 2017, she posted an Instagram post about the beauty myth and the, the myth of physical perfection, uh, physical perfection. Okay. And at the time, it's so awful, but the media had been criticizing the way she looked. Mm. And she was like, this is, oh, this is terrible. And it made her feel terrible. And I think, and she took a break from social media and it was pretty public. And yeah. she thought, is there a way, how can I make a difference from the outside, from the inside out and do something? And then she's like, okay, if we're able to start, if I was able to start a beauty brand and like put out images where we're breaking down these standards of perfection or that is actually our platform. And then with it, because she's been so open and honest about her personal mental health journey, is there a way that I can actually do something to help people feel better, feel less alone in the world? And so we had, I remember, it was 2019, right around when I first started, we all sat around, those the few employees <laughs> that were there, we all sat around in a room and just had this like big brainstorm, like, okay, what do we, what do we want? How do we want this brand to make you feel? Like what's that? And we just talked for a whole day. And that day I remember she said, I want to create a lane where people feel welcome in the industry. And that always struck me as something that was like, oh, that feels really different. Like just, I think beauty brands can make people feel so many great ways and the industry is, is really so wonderful. And you can think about empowerment and self-expression, but like the the word welcome always struck out to me of like, come sit with me. Cause like there's other brands are so cool. Not that I think we're cool too, but you don't feel like I would feel comfortable sitting at the table with that brand. Cause they're like too cool. And A little like bit. Aspirational versus like relatable. Yeah. Yeah. And like when you meet Selena, she's, she is so real and you don't, you don't, you forget that she is this massive global celebrity yeah. <laughs> because she's just, you just feel like she, you've known her forever. And she, and the way she has this superpower, she she will see a person, she hears a person, she, she really pays attention and it feels like she makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. And that makes her feel so much more like you're a normal, like a friend that you've known forever. And so as you get to know her, you think, gosh, how can we make the brand feel that way? Because that really is truly what she's like. Um, So that, so just like, in the early days of rare beauty, just spending time with her and getting to know her. And then you start to think, okay, like how can we infuse that throughout the brand? And it really was truly everyone from product development to sales to e-com, like the whole team, we all really thought about that in all of our channels. And we all worked on the, on the statements. And then we'd go back and forth with her to see what, if, if she was in line, but the, but the mental health thing that same day, that's when we really landed on mental health. Like, okay, we're going to fit in that. We're going to figure out what we can actually do with mental health. And it's like you, as a brand, you can't, you want to be able to measure your impact on something, but mental health is, my goodness, it's so, there's so much depth, there's so much dimension to it. You can't just say like, oh, we're going to solve mental health. Like, that's not a thing. Right. But as we did, as we like dove in and talked to experts and did research, a lot was talked about around loneliness and this idea of if someone feels like they don't belong or they don't have a connection to someone, that that could eventually lead to something 
greater or with more severe consequences within mental health. So we thought, okay, as, as a brand, the way, if you think about all these things we've talked about, the way Selena can connect with people and as a brand could actually be a platform for connection, mm-hmm. whether it's online or off, in, even if it's in the DMs or even if it's in the comments or of an offline event. Like I thought that's a, that's a way that we can really make a difference. And so from that, we created Rare Impact, which is this, our signature social, social impact initiative where we, whether we do things where we educate on mental health or we actually have events that connect people, um, we knew that we weren't, we're not a mental health company. We're not experts. We're not, I'm not, I didn't go to school, I don't have a degree. Uh, so it'd be irresponsible if we just started talking about depression or anxiety. So we do have partners. We created the Rare Beauty Mental Health Council and it's, I should know, 15 or so people within academia, mental health, medical field, all of whom advise us. And like we co-create content to put out there for the community who wanted these trusted resources. So we sort of have become this conduit to these trusted resources. And that's been a really exciting thing because people will save an Instagram post or something around mental health just as much as a, as a makeup post. So then you know you're, we're doing things in the right direction. I feel like we're doing the right thing. And then the other, we will do events. And in the last three years, I've, I've seen our community come to these events with people that they've met through rare beauty. And that, I mean, that gives me chills. Mm -hmm. This is when I'll start crying, but I won't, (laughs) but I do at work and people are like, please stop. It's really stop. (laughs) But I can't because you're like in all these, like you do these PowerPoint (laughs) presentations and you, and you talk internally to your team and you talk to Selena and you're like, okay, if we could just let if two people become friends, then I feel like we're doing the right thing. And and, if, and I saw, we did a mental health summit last May and I saw people from our community come to the summit and they, and they, and they, they were friends and they'd met all, like if Rare Beauty was the platform that they became friends. And it's like, that is, it's like what you do with fun on weekdays. And I'm sure that you have, ha- you've, you have grown such a strong community where people have become friends with one another. It's the same thing. So you too are like helping combat this epidemic of loneliness to have people find their place and it's a pretty cool thing I think that brands can do yeah and then we started the fun too and I can so so, so we're doing all this sort of like talking the talk and then we knew we needed to walk the walk as well and so we created the rare impact fund in July we launched all this in July before we launched the product actually uh, with a goal to raise a hundred million dollars for mental health in ten years, okay. so we're on our way. How have you done so far? You just started. It I don't know if I'm like I, I, the, yeah. We just had the gala. I think I might get the numbers wrong because I think we're going to do a number, another announcement. But it's I think we've done maybe six or seven million so far. Wow! But we're on our way. Yes. And I always say yes. That's a daunting number. But why not try? Mm-hmm. Why not go for it? Why not put a daunting number out there? Like imagine if we do. Mm-hmm. Not if. Imagine when we do. When you say. do. Imagine when we do. And I guarantee you it'll be much sooner than 10 years. Oh, God. From your lips to God's ears. It feels insane to see the growth of Rare Beauty while also simultaneously watching Selena kind of come into herself again. And it's really awesome as a personal fan of Selena. I've, I mean, we've millions of us have grown up watching her. So to see her take this stance and like kind of grow in her career also yeah. while she is doing music and acting how much do you think of Rare Beauty's sales and success is dependent on Selena? Oh, do you think that it is like Rare Beauty is Selena or is there a day where Selena could, you know, remove herself and oh. Rare Beauty could still stand alone? I don't know. I don't want her to ever do that. Yeah, no, I don't want her to either. <laughs> I don't know, but like we didn't set out, like she never said like, I want this to be Selena Gomez Cosmetics. Like she really just wanted to create a really wonderful brand mm-hmm. that will be around forever. I'm just so fascinated by 
about all of this because if I ever imagined my life outside of social media, yeah. I always think back to makeup. Like when I was in high school, I wanted to be a makeup artist. Yeah. I was going to go to cosmetology school. I was going to do I love hair, it. I love it. Makeup, yes. I do it all. And I feel like this is really one of my truest interests. So I'm I, just so fascinated. I love that. I, well, I think it's so, I, I, that means so much to me because I was the same way. And I didn't, it wasn't until I met a woman when I was 19 in college mm-hmm. and she was my best friend from college's stepmother and she worked at Estee Lauder <laughs> and she came for parents weekend. And I s- said, you do what? Where do you work? Oh, like I didn't even realize that was a job or a career yeah. path. And had I not met that woman, I don't think I'd be here today because I, once I saw her, you realize, Oh, okay. I want to be that. Mm-hmm. Like you have to see, I think you kind of have to see something to then become something. Cause otherwise you don't know. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. There was no, my parent, like no one knew about the beauty industry aside mm-hmm. from like going to the department store to buy it. So, uh, that's one of the reasons why I joined TikTok because I thought, okay, maybe there's a way I was seeing all these career experts and I thought, oh, maybe there's a way I could do pay it forward and kind of do what Robin did for me and say, I'm going to tell people about all these different career paths because if just to, to your point, like for the person who loves beauty or loves makeup artistry, but doesn't necessarily want to be a makeup artist, um, or maybe doesn't have the talent. I mean, that's true too. Like, I, I don't think I'm the best, I'm not a makeup artist, but I found marketing, but there's also finance, there's HR, there's operations. Like you could be this badass financial whiz. You don't have to work at a bank. Yeah. You can work. <laughs> I'm like, where do financial people work? You could, yeah. or consulting, you could work at a beauty company and be there and ultimately become the chief financial officer. I would love to have more, indiv- you know, minorities or females in the CFO role. Mm-hmm. I think what's amazing about you too is you are this like woman in power. You have such an insane role and you don't feel like you are above anyone. You feel you're like not. so accessible and nice. relatable and you want to share your wisdom because you want other people to succeed in this idea that there is room for everyone in the space. Absolutely. And so I'm curious your thoughts on the beauty industry space because there are so many celebrity makeup brands and yeah. so many other makeup brands that are popping up. How do you feel about the beauty industry and there being space for everyone? Or do you think it's a little oversaturated at times? I love it. I'm always, I'm a product junkie. So anytime I get like any gift bag or go to, when I go to Sephora, I always buy, I still buy product, (laughs) a ton of it, but I've always been that way. And I think, yeah, there's tons of room for everyone. Mm -hmm. There's always, but I think it's hard. It's hard for the brand. It's really hard to stand out, but it's always been that way. But marketing is hard. Uh, I think if you were a founder or a celebrity wanting to start your own brand, you have to really think about your why and why are you showing up and what's your point of difference and hone that and and really drive it home. But there's always space. Mm-hmm. Maybe not always space. And so I don't know. I, like, I think it would be very hard to be a, a beauty buyer or merchant today because there's so much. So many You can options. always go direct and you can do D to C. Totally. And also too, when I think about Rare Beauty and my experience working with y'all as a, as a creator... Yeah. You are so different. Oh, like, really? Yes. In in like such but, a like great with our, my way. team. Oh, yes, thanks. with your marketing and with the way that you work with influencers and your community and the events that you host, oh, it's thanks. so intentional. And like one thing about you guys with your PR gifting, for example, is you won't just send us a box of every single product that you have and and hope that like the more the merrier and maybe they'll post it. it to me, it feels like you gift things to creators 
because you want to impact them and you want to connect with them. So for like Mother's Day, it's not sending me a box. It's asking me for my mom's address for, um, I think it was like National Girlfriend's Day. You asked for three of our girlfriend's addresses to send them a gift and write a note on behalf of ourselves from Rare Beauty. And that is so different. Like beauty brands, not everyone is doing that. Not just beauty, but not everyone in general. So like how does the storytelling the focus on mental health, the focus on impactfulness translate to your marketing, whether it's working with influencers, whether it's online, doing events, kind of how do you incorporate that? I think, well, first I'll say we have a really incredible, talented PR and influencer marketing team. So Mm -hmm. I I hope they hear this or watch or something I'll tell them. I love them. (laughs) So thank you. That's really, really kind and that's meaningful. That's, it's kind of the way, that's just the way Selena is. Mm-hmm. And she's very heartfelt and, and intentional and thoughtful and kind. So everything we do is sort of through the lens of who she is as a person. Mm-hmm. And so as a brand, like you, people often say brands should have, how do you humanize a brand? Mm-hmm. And when you have a founder, and that could be, it do, that doesn't need to be a celebrity founder, but it is sort of what are these, what are the attributes of this individual that you can translate to the brand? And so if it is that thoughtfulness, that intentionality, that heartfelt kindness, that's what this brand is the same way. We want to make sure that we sort of echo her her values and her sentiments. Mm-hmm. And so that can be whether it's comments in the Instagram post, um, a, you know, an, an, an offline community event or, or a PR event or a PR mailer. Mm-hmm. So thanks. I, that's really kind of you to say. Yeah, it's really it is, awesome. Thanks. We do pay attention to that. People and again, kudos to my PR team, the PR, the PR team. Yeah, and that raises another question too. So there are multiple different... Um, teams under you. So you oversee all of marketing. So what does your day-to-day kind of look like and how much of a hand do you have in all the decisions, whether it's deciding what the PR box is going to be, deciding who is going to be invited to events, um, deciding what the campaign is going to be for the upcoming holiday season. (laughs) How much do you truly influence and how much do you oversee? Okay. That's, this is a great question. So I'll, first I'll say, uh, so I, as in marketing and every marketing at every company is different. Mm-hmm. So even the different roles that I've had, it, it's been, it hasn't been exactly the same. So at Rare Beauty, I oversee PR and influencer, creative and copy, um, brand and product marketing, consumer marketing, which is sort of all the campaigns, activations, uh, digital community, social, and global partnerships and social impact, which is the Rare Impact Fund. Oh my goodness. So it's, <laughs> How do you have time, girl? Okay. Great segue. I don't. So I really, like, I think the most important thing as a leader is to make sure that you have a, have a brief or a vision of sort of, okay, this is how this product is going to come to life and then empower your team. So how do you want, how are you going to bring this to life? And I really trust my direct reports that they have the ability to do that. And so I'll be brought along on, okay, this is what the PR box is going to look like. And, and because we work so closely together, so the head of PR will have a vision of, okay, this is how we want to, how to want the spring to life. And then the creative director will incorporate the visuals from the campaign and copy. We'll, we will have already agreed upon the copy. So, so many things sort of start, uh, like brand and product will have a, basically this massive messaging doc and they'll say, okay, this is, these are all the ways to talk about the product creative. We will have already agreed upon what the creative direction is. So these are the key visuals and all that comes to life in the, in the PR box. But when it comes to the, the details of who's attending the event or, um, what an email looks like, like I no, <laughs> you can I just can't. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I can barely respond to all my emails. That's where I'm not the best. Well, it's Sorry. not only you just doing that, but you're also very active on LinkedIn, helping other people. You are constantly creating content too. You are almost 
like an influencer in yourself. I have no children. I don't know. I, 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 uh, no. So you have to figure out how to manage everything and it's still a work in progress. My God, I feel like I still mess up all the time. My biggest concern lately is making sure that my team is okay. True, honest. It's not bullshit. I, I am like, are you okay? And, and it's working with them to make sure. And I hope that whomever, as you're listening, that your bosses are asking the same thing because you want to be able to have that open, honest conversation because sometimes some people will say, yes, 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 everything's fine. And then something explodes because it's not okay because you've been working too late, but I didn't know. Or some people will bring me along the way and say like, okay, wait, I'm having a little trouble with X, Y, Z. Okay, let's go in. How can I help tackle those problems? So it took me a long time to learn that because I think at other positions, probably when I was at Hourglass, I kind of felt like I had to be involved in every single little thing. And you learn, but that's going to take time. That takes experience. That takes takes developing your gut. That takes developing your team and like having that trust. I think I have so much trust with each of the individual leaders that, that I trust that they understand the brand and the vision that they can sort of really own the projects themselves. Because also it's not that fulfilling to do your job day to day if someone's always in there being like, I don't like this or what's this or change this. Like, no. (laughs) So... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a journey and it's something that I still work on. I think management is one of the toughest things of your career. And it's something that I still work on every day. I do not think I'm a perfect manager, but that's where you can always improve. Mm-hmm. The it's tough. I'm not a good micromanager because there's just too much to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and then doing my own content, I, it's so, that is so fulfilling to me because I feel like that's how I can give back. But I have not been good lately because we have been so busy and like I haven't done a TikTok in months. Mm-hmm. And I sort of got out of the, aside from the like getting out of it and like then the, the algorithm or whatever doesn't favor you. But I like sort of forgot how to do content and then they changed the back end of it. And I was like, oh shit, what is this? Yeah. So I got to get back in the groove because I do when I meet people and they say, oh my God, I watched your TikTok, da, 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 da. And I, and it helped me for an interview or, or you're like, oh shit, this really is a good thing. I got to go back and keep doing it. Do you ever have, I don't know how you do it. Like when Jenna was saying that she does everything, like, I don't know how you get it all done. That is amazing to me. I don't, (laughs) (laughs) I don't. When you were saying the, the biggest part of being a manager or being in a leadership role is managing your time and managing your tasks like that is the number one thing that I struggle with so much actually even like sitting here and recording this episode with you this is going to go live in a couple weeks from now and that's something that I've tried to like change is to work in advance I'm the kind of person I like a little bit of pressure I like (laughs) to put things off because yeah I feel like I work really well under pressure yeah under like a strict timeline and high stress energy but I've actually realized it's horrible for my mental health yeah and it puts a lot of cortisol spikes you don't want that yeah yeah and so I'm trying to be better about it but I definitely don't manage everything and you're on a much larger scale yes everyone has a busy day everyone's busy it's it's not even a anything but you know what I thought was interesting so in in COVID obviously staying the obvious we all we all worked remote and there were a handful of people on my team who this was their first job mm-hmm. and I th- I think it's just an assumption don't for all of those who like to work remote and work from home don't be mad at me but when I think about how I learned how to manage my time how to manage my to-dos how to do a status report a budget all of that stuff was sort of shadowing other people mm-hmm. and I really hope that now that we're so remote or, or or working from home that people aren't missing out on that sort of really formative part of your career to learn those basics. As I'm saying this out loud, I'm like, shoot, what should I do for the team <laughs> to teach that stuff? Cause you don't, yeah, they don't teach you- that in college. Like sometimes you're just naturally detail oriented, but for those of you who aren't like, I'm 
not. I'm more of a story creative, sort of all over the board, Mm -hmm. but I have to really focus myself to say, okay, this is what I have to get done. It's hard. Are you all working remote at Rare Beauty? We have, we're in the office three days a week. Okay. And some people are all five. Yeah. I think it's good too. I like the combination because the one thing that I miss about being in in a work setting with so many other people is just the human connection, yeah. which does translate to the loneliness, which does translate yes. to why I even started fun on weekdays was when I was working my corporate yeah, right. job remote. It was my first job and I didn't have people to sit next to and watch them do things yeah. or shadow their calls in the same way. Like I could join their zoom meeting, but it's not the same. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, I just felt like I was really I'd been alone all day. So I just wanted to surround myself with people versus being at the office, being surrounded by people and energy and motivation. Yeah. um, And then going home and having that alone time. So it does kind of translate into- I love going home and having that alone time. But I think also the thing, there's a- Work friends are really important because you're going, especially if you're someone who wants to sort of climb that corporate ladder and- and you're going to need people with whom you can call, to whom you can call and say like, wait, I have this issue. What should I do? Because it's not always your, your best girlfriend or your sister or your mom or whomever, because maybe they don't, they may not sort of understand all of the nuances or the circumstances, yeah. but, and this could be someone that you meet at your very first job and you just stay in touch with the rest of your career, like my friend, Michael. But I think work friends are really important oh, this to is nurture. A really good question. Okay. How do you differentiate a work friend that you're going to for support and like general overall help versus you're using them and you're taking advantage of them to climb the corporate ladder? Because I think that it's a very blurry line. Yeah. I Well, I don't think everyone you should, maybe that's the second part. Like it shouldn't be try and really actually nurture an actual true, sincere relationship with someone versus using or taking advantage of because uh, ultimately it'll, that will serve you better. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be like, work friend doesn't need to be my bestie who I'm going to text all day long or we're <laughs> going to gossip about the water cooler. But like, it's really more someone who you can trust and have open and honest conversations with. Mm-hmm. And I guess someone that you need to climb the corporate ladder with, You there is a I was talking to someone the other day, this, this woman, and she was saying, you know, it's, it was so important for me to understand who holds power within, an, within, within, a, within an organization, which I thought was really interesting, the people who are sort of the decision makers. And so it's not about like, it's more like understanding people and where they come from and their end goals mm-hmm. so that you can further your career in those different directions. And I think you yourself will then understand, okay, this is going to be a work friend or this is someone who's going to stay in my life for hopefully as long as they possibly can versus someone who um, I really want to understand their point of view right now to maybe potentially help me get to the next level. But uh, I think as long as you take it from a sincere place, Mm -hmm. they'll understand that as well. Have you felt like anyone since you've been in your current role has tried to take advantage of you? Oh, in your connection to them in order to get a promotion, get a different job, meet a different connection. I try to like to see the, this sounds so Pollyanna of me. I guess I try to see the best in people that I would never think about it. Or I just don't. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You get a lot of, Hey, can you talk to a person? Yeah. I mean, cause I get a lot. Yeah. You get a lot of that. They're always sending you a message like, what yeah. are you looking for when you're hiring? Or, Hey, I know you work at Rare Beauty. Could you give me a referral? A lot. Yeah. yeah? You get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to like, 
the hard part is like I now I because I, because we're so busy. I, I mean, there's over 30 people on the marketing team all together. But now I can't even get to my messages as much. Like it's more important to me like to answer the rare beauty emails internally. Yeah. Um, and so it's tough. Like I'll have to say I, I must politely decline this meeting because I need to focus on my team right now. And that's hard. That's but, so polite of you. Most people would just leave you unread. <laughs> well, or I delete. Sorry. I, it's, it's too. <laughs> if Katie has There's an answer, you things, Well, sometimes also you'll get no emails and it will say the wrong name. Like if someone makes like a huge error, you're yeah, like, okay, was, I don't need to respond to that person because you just called me Bob. So I'm like, yeah, fine. Delete. Yeah. That was a good question actually was when you are reaching out to people on LinkedIn yeah. or you are trying to professionally network with someone what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen of people reaching out to you don't make stupid errors okay and they're so easy to do because we're all so busy and you're trying to do so much like try to be as thoughtful as possible don't write too long of an email because no one has any time make sure it's like hi katie i'm laughing because i have this this is not normal what's like the i hate the word hey Hey. And hey, hey, Katie. No, but it's no, and everyone uses it and it's fine. But you'll, re- I, you know, I have these individual like pet peeves. Yeah. And there's people who we've, I've worked together with for a long time and they laugh and they're like, just don't say, hey, Katie. Like in person, it's fine. But for some reason on an email, it makes me like, oh. Would you prefer hello? Just hi. Hi, or Katie. Hi. Okay, I don't know hi. why. No, is this a universal rule for everyone? No. Does, as everyone else, this ridiculous? No, I don't know why, but people have these things. I don't know. Anyway, I shouldn't have even said that, but for some reason I don't like the word. (laughs) Note taken, note taken. And there's probably so many girls listening to this right now who are like, oh, don't don't email me and say, Katie, that's, please don't make fun of me. It's not, I'm not a bad person. Anyway, um, what, what could you do? It's really hard. I think the thing is, um, don't give up. If one person doesn't respond, it doesn't mean you're never going to get a job at that company. But I think, you know, I, uh, people will say to me, oh my gosh, I did this, um, I did a report on rare beauty in college. You know what? Include that in your email. Like, I think if you're trying to get a job, show people the way you think, show them how you will make an actual impact to the company. If there's things that you learned, give tangible uh, points of reference. Try not to make it be this formulaic cover letter, intro letter that everyone does. Like if you Google like how to, or don't let like chat GPT do it. Cause you can see right through it. Mm-hmm. But if you could say, hi Katie, you know, I heard you on, on fun and on weekdays and like everyone's going to know. <laughs> uh, but you talked about X, Y, Z. And I think I would, you know, I don't know. Try, and the other thing is try to tie it back to maybe if there is a job that's already open. So if you see a position that's open, let's say it's like a marketing coordinator and then email, you can email me, but also try the, the people in HR because they're actually the ones who are probably hiring for it or try someone who's more junior in, 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 in marketing or in the department because they may not be getting as many emails and maybe they could say like to HR, Hey, this person looks cool. Mm-hmm. So you never know like where your in- intro to that company could come from. Is there ever a point where they're doing too much? One, like one person sending too many emails? Yeah, like, um, for example, getting impatient. Because I've actually had this before where people have emailed or messaged me multiple times before I've had a chance to read it. And I'm like, it's actually been 24 hours. Yeah, you can't do that. Because sometimes I need to respond. I don't do emails until like Fridays, which I know sounds ridiculous. But like I'll answer work emails, but I'm literally in meetings probably from nine to whatever all day. And so I won't look at stuff until yeah. like Friday if I have a few hours to do okay, that. So patience too. Have is a little key. patience, have a little patience, try other companies. And also like if you're 
desperate to work at a beauty company, you may, you don't always need to start at that company. Like there could be adjacent companies or companies that um, are adjacent to the industry. So if you want to work in PR at, at Rare Beauty, what about a beauty PR agency? What about a social media marketing agency or a media planning? So there's other ways. Or if you want to get into product development, there's manufacturers who we work with, who then you can just start to build your resume to eventually either meet, per, meet someone at the company that they could introduce you to or build a relationship with someone because you work as a client or whatever, or mm-hmm. that Rare Beauty as a client and vice versa. So I think that's the other thing that not a lot of people talk about, but you can get into an industry, but it doesn't have to be directly at the brand level. Mm-hmm. You could start out a different way. I mean, that's like, that's in case in point what I did throughout my career. Yeah, I think that's incredible advice. And that's a lot of what most people who submitted a question kind of asked about is just this advice about how to know what you want to do with your life. Oh God, it takes a while. Yeah. You have to you got to get in it and start trying at first. There's a book by um, Professor Galloway, Scott Galloway, called The Algebra of Happiness okay. that I think everyone in their 20s should read. It's whether you agree with him or not, I think there's he makes some really interesting points about you just have to start. and You have okay. to start. And you've got to figure out because you're not going to know. They don't teach you work classes at college. Like You just mm-hmm. don't know until you really start. And then even so, when you start entry level, sometimes what you're doing you might just be like, what the hell am I? This is so lame. But hopefully you have a boss that sort of explains, okay, you're part of the market, let's say you're in marketing, part of the marketing mix. And yes, you're stuffing a ton of PR bags and tissue paper. And yes, I know you went to college and you think like, this is effing ridiculous. <laughs> but let me tell you, like you're a part of the, like stuffing that tissue paper and like working on the, the list of creators to invite to invent is just as important as figuring out sort of what the copy is. Like it's all a representation of the brand. And I remember I had the same experience when I was a young or entry-level person and at the brand level and at the PR agency. I mean, I remember calling my mom and just crying on the streets of New York. Like, I hate my job. <laughs> ah, why did I go to college for this? And everyone is so mean. But you grow, like you need that experience and you get out of it and you, things get better. And there's no job that's perfect. Like there's always going to be something like an annoying person or annoying something, but you have to start to see the bigger picture. And it's really hard. I think when you're just starting out in your career to see the future or see where it could go, but you just have to keep reminding yourself, you're not going to get the CMO title. I mean, maybe you would in two years, but most likely you're not going to, mm-hmm. and you don't actually, you wouldn't want it either. Like you want to, I, I, I really needed all that experience to get to this level. Mm-hmm. And I think sharing your story too, and what has brought you to your position will also help inspire people to know oh. that like, it's okay if you're not really loving what you're doing right now. Oh my gosh, of course. We yeah. answered majority of the questions oh, that good. people had submitted. Um, some of the last two questions are kind of more about like rare beauty and yeah. so people wanted to know, uh, what are your favorite products? Uh, the mascara. Okay, same. same. Oh, good. It's Yay. So good. Like I can't, it's, it little, and I'm a mascara junkie from the beginning, mm-hmm. but I like a lot. Like it's, it's a dramatic lash, but I, that's what I like. It um, is. I like the liquid eyeliner a lot. Okay. Uh, I love the brow pencil. I love the eyeshadow. St- oh, I really like everything. The eyeshadow sticks, the glossy lip balm, the lip tints, mm-hmm. the soft pinch uh, tinted lip oil. Yeah. Everything. Wait, the concealer I like. The blush. Oh, the blush. Of course. The blush. I also like- really like the, um, stay vulnerable melting blush it's in the little pink oh yeah the little pot, pot. uh-huh mm-hmm. that we was the first blush that I tried yeah I remember I got sent um a rare beauty PR box like two and a half years ago yeah and I the was stay vulnerable freaking, that that big the round yes. one yes yes I was freaking out one. I'm like oh my god Selena sent me this <laughs> like she didn't but I'm gonna tell myself she did she did she totally did yeah and that was the first rare beauty product I ever used for those little I melting pot blushes I, I still love them. them I really use it all 
Okay. And the so four in one, the mist, the spray mist is great. Oh, I haven't used that. Setting spray. Oh, it's I love the um yeah. I love the tinted moisturizer. Love, too. love, love, love. Mm-hmm. Yep. Especially when I was dealing with acne. Um, I didn't really think that a tinted moisturizer would be good for me because it didn't give me the coverage that I wanted, but it actually was like really beautiful. It still looks natural while still covering the oh blemishes. Good. I'm glad you liked it. So I'm still a fan of it. Oh good. My the one that I have right now is is so old. It's like two years old, but it's lasted oh so long. I'm no, like, but let's get you a new one. At what point does makeup expire? <laughs> expires, right? Yeah. I, okay, I don't want to say definitively because I'll probably get it wrong, but there is. There are dis- expiration dates. Mm-hmm. I think it actually says on the box, there's a little like icon and it'll have a, a like a little picture and it'll say a number. Okay. I think all beauty products, I, I believe, have those. I should but go like, to my drawer and get rid of some I think stuff. the ones that last the longest are like powder, press, you know, like pressed powders and stuff. But like mascaras, you definitely want to replace after, I think, three months. Oh, uh, well, let's I'm get not, chunky. Yeah, you let's, know uh, everyone go. Google, Google that. Okay. <laughs> but it is important. And so, other than Rare Beauty, what are some of your other favorite makeup 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 brands? brands? Yeah. You said there's so many cool ones out there. Well, this is a skincare brand that I love called Experiment. Okay. And and you started, she's on TikTok. Okay. And she has a a glycerin serum. And glycerin is one of these skincare ingredients that really helps um, keep your skin hydrated. I don't know the science behind it. She is a chemist. I am not. Um, But I remember back in the day, Bliss used to have a toner that was a glycerin-based toner, and it used to make my skin just glow. I love it, love it, love it. And then they discontinued it, so I was always looking for something that was like very uh, high concentration of glycerin. And this woman came out with this um, this serum, and I found her on TikTok, and I've already been through like two or three bottles. It sells out. It's so good. You have incredible skin, so oh, thanks. Shoot, shoot, shoot. (laughs) It's really good. It's called Experiment. Um, so I love that brand. I love, I still love Hourglass so much. Um, I think the founder is incredibly talented, like just really a visionary product developer. So the ambient powders are beautiful. Um, Honest Beauty has some really great products that I love. The, the thing that's cool about Honest, they have a really cool, calm, uh, sensitive skincare line. They're head of product development. So she, talk about interesting careers, she's the, what's well, not head of product development, she's head of research and development. She actually formulate, they have a lab inside of Honest since they formulate oh, wow. all of the products. And I remember her telling me about her career journey. She was a chemistry major, I think. And she said, I was thinking about, I was, she said, I was in a class learning about how car paint works. And I thought, oh my God, that's just like nail polish. And that was the light bulb that went off in her brain, like, wait, I can actually do this for beauty companies. I can, I can stay and like be this chemistry major and then eventually develop products for beauty, which I always thought was so cool. Yeah. So it sounds like all of your favorite brands have some type of personal tie to them. Oh yeah. 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 Of course. Kind of. And I love, I'm a big fragrance junkie. So I love the Henry Rose fragrances, which is Michelle Pfeiffer's line. I love that. Um, I love salt air. Oh my gosh. You love salt air. I actually just had Iskra on the podcast. I love it. I think it's really cool. Yeah. I, I love those, the body washes. Love their stuff too. I love, love Key Iskra. Soul Care. Okay. Uh, Alicia Keys' brand I think is really beautiful. Oh, I've never tried it. It's very cool. cool. Um, what else do I like? Every, I don't know. I like everything. Gotta, it goes on. The list goes on and on. Yeah, I mean, I go into Sephora or Ulta and I just, you see all these things that you didn't even know existed. So many new brands. Jouer. I'm, I love Jouer Cosmetics. <gasps> Me too. Christina Zilber is a very close friend of mine, so I love Jouer. Oh, they have no a great way. concealer. Mm-hmm. I love everything. I'm literally wearing your lip oil right now. Oh, yay. Good. Yes, love your way. Um, okay, so last question yeah. is, well, actually, I have two. Okay. Well, okay, so <laughs> what is your favorite and least favorite makeup trend? 
Oh. I mean, we we all see TikTok. Like, there's so many things that are happening constantly. I, oh, God. This is a really hard question because I love makeup so much and I just love watching it. Mm-hmm. So, oh, Lordy. Okay, so. You know what I mean? Like, like, even if it's like, oof, I don't think I would ever dislike it. It's so fun to watch. Yeah, just dislike it. Because I'm just like, as a consumer. To totally. Oh, for myself to do it, I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> like, I. <laughs> Who did like, you make up today? Myself. Oh, it looks great. Does it? Oh, thank you. Um, like, I don't know how to bake. Like, I don't know how to do any of that. I just put the powder all over. Okay. Um, okay. I, I, I just, I, I don't have like a lot of space between my eye, like between my brows. I don't know how to do eyeshadow the really eyeshadow. well. Okay. So I just do eyeshadow sticks. Oh, And just okay. like blend them really quickly. Okay. So no eyeshadow like brushes for you. I have them. Okay. I just don't know how to do it very well. Oh my gosh. Sorry. I do your makeup. Oh my God. I would love it. Yeah. So I don't fun. know how to do... <laughs> You know, I just, anything, if I can do it with my fingers, much you're, better. You're simple. You're like timeless. You don't like to complicate. No, I don't know how to like draw my lips on. I don't know. I feel like I would look ridiculous. Oh, well, you don't have to. You have beautiful lips. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> me, I'm like, I had to get a lip already. even No, have you don't. You don't need it. No, yeah, everyone is beautiful just the way they are. Oh, you're so sweet. It's true though. Oh, thank you. Okay, last question. What is your favorite memory with Selena? Oh. Or with Rare Beauty. When we launched in Europe, going from talking to her over Zoom because we couldn't be in the same place to, and like telling, saying like, okay, can you just tape your phone to your mirror and like, <laughs> let's film some tutorials and then we're going to use those as Instagram ads. Like, because oh we had no other choice to then, oh my gosh, here we are in the inside of a Sephora that says like, welcome Selena. And then crowds of people singing who says, like just the idea of like, I can't believe we went from sitting on the floor of your house to Zoom calls. Now we're like at dinner in Milan after we've done, it was just wild. So it's just sort of, there's more than just one. It's just like looking back at, I can't believe how far it's, how far we've come. And then like the Rare Impact Gala, seeing her on stage and talking about what we've done, that just gave me chills. Like, again, I can't believe it went from ideation of like, okay, we should just like do this mm-hmm. to then having it really come to life. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like this is, the final chapter of your story? Oh, gosh, no. No? Okay. I don't know. I hope not. I don't know. I would love to figure out how I can do more with helping people grow their careers. And, like, mm-hmm. I really am passionate about if, if you want to work in corporate, like, staying in the game mm-hmm. and, like, climbing that corporate ladder so that there are more people who reflect what the rest of the world looks like at the top. Okay. Great answer. Oh, thanks. Amazing That's answer. the honest truth. Well, I really appreciated you taking the time to Thanks, come and Jenna. meet with me while you're here in Austin. You're a I crazy love, gal. She has a beautiful house. This is so cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you for, for having me in your home. Oh my gosh, it was great to catch up with you and also to share all of your advice and your story with everyone on the podcast. I know people are super excited for this episode. Thank you. So Thank yeah, you. we'll leave all your information in the yeah, episode just at Katie Welch everywhere. Connect with you on LinkedIn. Thanks. Say hi, Katie, not a hey. Oh, God, I can't believe I said that. My team is all going to (laughs) laugh. And thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Safe travels home. Thanks. And thank you guys for listening. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.